You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where sometimes we talk about cartoons. And today, we're going to be talking about the movie Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. This is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot from Seth Rogen and uh, directed by Jeff Rowe. And um, I think one of the most notable things about it is if you've seen the trailers for it, it's one that's definitely been notable for its art style that is somewhat reminiscent of Into the Spider-Verse. But as we will talk about, it's different in very important ways. Uh, This movie is definitely its own thing. And um, honestly, it was a lot of fun to talk about. It was a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to talk about. We both liked it. Go out and see it. Uh, This is going to be spoiler-free until we actually do give a spoiler warning. It's about 30 minutes in, so you're good to hear a lot of this without any hard spoilers until we actually do warn you about spoilers. And even then, there's not that many spoilers for this movie. Um, But yeah, it is a... It's a, it's a very good discussion, and uh, I hope you guys will enjoy it. Now, what's very interesting about this movie, I don't remember if we uh, brought it up or not, this movie has a soundtrack by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross of Nine Inch Nails, and you're about to hear a little bit of that. Listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, Pierre, you've just come out of the movies. How do you how are you feeling? I did. Uh, I feel quite good about it. Eating popcorn in the middle of the day is actually not always the my favorite thing, but other than that, I do like the experience of going into a movie and coming out, and you still have the rest of your day. Because I don't know, you just feel a little more productive. If that makes sense, I don't know why. It's just like a feeling I have. Yeah, I feel like for me, the the best times to go to the movie are either to movies are like either the middle of the day, because then I can do stuff afterwards, or literally the very last thing before I go to bed. Like the other day, uh, the only I I went to go see a horror movie and the only time that worked for my buddy was 1030. And that worked out. Actually, that was a good time. I got home and I was done for the day. And it was a good time to be done for the day. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I'll also like, yeah, I think a horror movie for me during the day would be a lot easier. <laughs> I would hate, I hate those late night walking home and like being like, is it real? I don't know. You just, you get into that vibe. So yeah, true. But that was not a problem for this movie because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mostly a kid's movie. If I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, even though there has been very mature uh, adaptation. I guess the original comic was very mature and there's been some mature adaptations, but this movie and quite a few other adaptations of Ninja Turtles are very family friendly and fun. Um, it's and uh, one we're oh, talking about today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in, in case I can't remember if you said it, I think you did. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is the movie we're going to talk about today. And uh, I was just going to say, I would be very interested to talk to someone who's been like a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles since the original comic run. Because, Mm. you know, me and you, we both, we've already said on this show before, we've been fans since we were kids. But like, yeah. You know, I'm I'm slightly older than you, and then and even when I was a kid watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, it had already become like a seminal kids franchise, but where the original one was extremely violent, and it would just be interesting to you know talk to someone who's been a fan since all the way at the very beginning and see get, get their thoughts. Or like if the person who created the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles wants to come on our show, that also would be kind of cool. Mm, yes. Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, both of whom are still alive, so they should come on our show. Nice. Yes. If you're listening to this, please come on the show. It'd be great. I actually read a, I read some Ninja Turtle. I read The Last Ronin, which is... It was like recent release by I think only Kevin Eastman was part of it, but a recent release that was kind of kind of big with the it's like in a dystopian future where there's only one turtle left basically, and he take he becomes a Ronin essentially. I don't know. Um, I don't know if we talked about it when we did our last Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode, but I think that. The last Ronin was I, like the last um, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles wasn't based on the last Ronin, but I think mm-hmm. that was a big inspiration for it because Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has a story that cops a lot of beats from that from what I've heard of the last Ronin. I haven't read it. Obviously, you would be able to speak more to that, I guess. Uh, I I just know maybe the dystopian future stuff because at the start it's like they send casey back right i think yeah i, th- I think they sent casey I back don't remember yeah much about that movie. yeah actually come <laughs> to think came... of it i guess the last ronin doesn't have much time travel probably i'm not sure no no i mean yeah it's it's set in a future where it's like uh it's like the shredder or the shredder's like grandson one and uh april's like 70 years old and she has like a a daughter that um the last turtle kind of becomes a mentor too and then he, he kind of trains her and uh yeah i don't know i didn't really like like i heard it was really good i read it and i didn't really like it i thought it was really i don't know there's like there's like dark because i know the turtles can be dark but this was just like too much for me and like there wasn't enough there wasn't enough heart to make up for it if that makes sense and it felt like a uh, a reiteration of what we've seen before with like like it felt like a very obvious, a very obviously influenced by the Dark Knight Returns, where you know you have a, a very old hero come back, and they've basically lost all hope, and they have to confront their demons one more time, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, that part I didn't really like, and um, it kind of left me feeling actually. Well, maybe it was really good because it honestly left me feeling very depressed after. <laughs> it's a very dark comic, you know. And uh, yeah, so but this was a very nice I mean, this was very nice to see uh, in the new movie is that this was like the opposite where this is just a very fun uh, movie to watch. You know, it's a Seth Rogen produced it and he really goes to his roots, I'd say, where he it's like he's writing for like for 
or teenagers. Like these are high school kids and not um, the just ninja. Like I feel like they're always called nin Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but they're never actually always like depicted as teenagers. Um, I think a lot of instances are supposed to be like 15, 16 years old, but they act like they're like in their mid 20s or something. So this is the only time I feel like we really see them act goofy and like kids and not these like epic heroes. Um, yeah, that we um, usually see. Yeah. Yeah. What I really like about this is, as you're saying, it leans really far into the teenage part and also the mutant part like mutant teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant is never like the really neglected part of that statement but like this this movie is literally all about that and the fact that they're mm -hmm. teenagers but like mutants play a very very big part in this movie um yeah mutant lore i mean it's called mutant mayhem so i guess really... that makes sense actually i <laughs> yeah. forgot that for a second I mean, they obviously wrote the title after they wrote it. But yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of media usually either goes to, I mean, I, I guess the only, we've seen the Shredder mostly, and then we see uh, Krang or like the Utroms, I guess, like the alien species that we sometimes see in Ninja Turtle stuff. But mm -hmm. very rarely do we see an emphasis on the mutant aspect and uh, kind of, and I think this was cool because it adds a little bit of a layer to like, it'd be, it's kind of weird to have the turtles be the only mutants in the world as sometimes it's kind of shown, you know? And I think this was a nice way of showing that the mutant world is bigger than just them. And it was a, a refreshing way of doing this story because we've seen countless iterations of Ninja Turtles and we really do need something a little fresh. And this movie was very fresh. So and actually, it was nice to see. Just now that we're talking about it, what I thought was kind of interesting about this is it almost downplays the ninja part. Like, there is surprisingly little fights in this movie. And, like, of those fights, they're not... There's not, like, a lot of emphasis on all of them using their signature weapons. Like, it comes up. It's definitely there. It's not hidden. But this is much more... This is not that much of an action movie for most of it. Yeah, it was surprising. Um, the, the obviously like the, it it's stripping back a lot of the the epic layers like we talked about before, and it's a much more grounded movie. But yeah, there's a, there's a, a that's one of the maybe sort of issues I have with the movie is there is a lot of there's very little ninja stuff actually happening. Um, it's mostly them just being. It's emphasis on the mutant teenage part. <laughs> and mm -hmm. Very little emphasis on the ninja. I think that there was even this one part where uh, at the end, there's like a news broadcast person reporting on them and they call them the hero turtles, which I think might be a reference to how in the 80s series in Europe, they had to be called teenage mutant hero turtles because the word ninja was deemed um, too violent <laughs> for, for right. European audiences. So there's that. And then also like, I, I think it, it's, it's kind of a meta, I don't think it was on purpose, but a meta reference to how they, if I saw them in, without the context of the title of the movie, I would not assume they were ninjas, if that makes sense, because right. they don't really act like ninjas in this movie. Mm -hmm. They just, they're very good at martial arts, essentially, but yeah. Yeah, so do you want to, I, I do want to <laughs> tell us what this movie yes, is about. Yes, perfect, okay. <laughs> cool. 
So uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is a, it's an origin story for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's actually, uh, as I had to be reminded, I this is actually a quite different origin story than usual. Um, the idea is that at the very beginning, we see a flashback from 15 years ago where Baxter Stockman drops some ooze that can turn things in, turn animals into mutants into the sewer. And 15 years later, that has produced uh, four turtles who are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and a big rat uh, who was already old when he was already old for a rat when he got hit with the ooze. So he became an old man where they became uh, babies because they were just babies at the time. And so it goes through that origin. And then uh, it's actually very much about the turtles coming into their own as heroes, because at the start of this movie, they're not even really combat uh, combative characters. They, they are just like, the the only times they go up to the surface out of the sewer are to like get pizza and groceries. They just live in the sewer with Splinter and mm-hmm. they are self-defense trained, but that's kind of the only reason that they can fight at all. And over the course of this movie, they meet more mutants, uh, find a bad guy in the form of the person leading the mutants, Superfly, who was uh, Baxter Stockman's pet fly and they have to become, you know, I, I guess heroes, but they have to become, they have to like actually learn to fight and fight as a team to defeat Superfly and uh, stop the mutant mayhem. That's, that's the title that's of the movie. kind of it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, speaking of, I don't know, you mentioned Superfly. I love Superfly. He's very I thought, I, I don't know if he's an original villain or anything, but the ice cubes portrayal of Superfly is maybe one of my favorite ice cube roles. I don't always love ice cube, but he played it really well in this. And I thought he was such a refreshing take on what could have been a very generic villain into something that was like really fun to watch. So I've heard Superfly is uh, not original, but he is functionally original for this. Like he's very, very different in the comics. He is oh, okay, actually yeah. Baxter Stockman, apparently. Not a pet of Baxter Stockman's. Oh, and, and like the actual yeah. comics? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, oh, I know they did a lot of weird stuff to Baxter Stockman. <laughs> in the series, I saw he was just like a brain in like a jar for like the whole thing. Oh. <laughs> um, or he was a human and then he's slowly tortured by the shredder until he's just a brain in a jar, which is actually extremely dark. Like when you, when you think about it, like, that's like a lot. But yeah, anyways, um, yeah, it's it's a uh, Ice Cube was really good, and um, I I thought he was also a very menacing villain, but also really fun and like he didn't bring the movie down in any way. Like he was threatening, but also he maintained kind of the silly aspect of what the rest of the movie carries, which is that it doesn't really take itself too seriously. Like this is a movie about like a mutant like mutant turtles versus a bunch of other mutant animals uh fighting over i guess well actually no it gets pretty dark late later in terms of superfly actually wants to like destroy the world essentially 
it's kind of funny and, when he reveals that because he's because him and his you know he meets the mutants and he's like oh yeah i just want to make a make a world for all of me and my mutant friends where we can be you know accepted and happy and live our best lives which means we have to kill all the humans which is yeah. like it, you get it it kind of makes sense but it's a huge jump just out of nowhere yeah which again i think maybe in another movie that didn't take it that took itself more seriously that would have been kind of an issue of like why is he like this character's motivations don't line up with how he acts but in this movie i feel like it was totally like yeah okay like i guess he does want to kill everyone like it doesn't really it didn't affect me that much you know yeah and And also like like it flowed a thing to keep in mind is canonically in this movie (laughs) superfly is 15 years old that too (laughs) and like a human 15 not 15 in cat years yeah yeah um i guess they all like i don't know how splendor is definitely like the oldest one right i guess yeah overall. He's the, yeah he the was one that wasn't a pet he, he, yeah the way they explain it is when the ooze hit him he was already an adult rat so now he was an adult mutant rat don't think about it okay yeah <laughs> i think that's the best way to to do it i i know there's some there's some iterations that they do also they also do like oh splinter was a human and then he kind of morphed into a rat because of the ooze, but I never really liked that one for some reason. Even though it makes more sense, like it doesn't really make sense for a rat to just learn ninjutsu uh, by watching his master. But uh, yeah, which actually I guess is a little bit of a tangent. But I like the way that he learned ninjutsu in this movie. Uh, he found an old workout tape and studied it really hard. Yeah, I think that's kind of it's cute. I well, they might I feel like that's something they might get into more in the future where maybe cuz there's a teaser for the villain of the next movie and that villain usually has a very personal connection with Splinter, so maybe in the next movie we'll see more of what actually happened or maybe that is the origin. But either way that doesn't really bother me because again like I feel like the ninjutsu aspect wasn't a huge part of what made the movie work you know so well and also speaking to what you just said even if they um even if they change that or get into it more in the next uh in the next movie they really smartly set it up so that it wouldn't really be a retcon too Mm -hmm. because the main when he's when we're getting in the flashback that splinter is teaching the turtles how to defend themselves basically it's all from that workout video but then there's one fight scene that Splinter gets where he, it, you know, it's all set. It's awesome. It's set to the soundtrack of the workout video. But he's also way, way, way better than he should be for just watching a workout video. Yeah, he takes on like multiple people at once. Yeah, so specialized much like government agents. Yeah, so there's there's potentially more than a letting on. But I think it's smart to not get too much into the details. Because that, whatever, however he was trained, if there was a personal connection, I think it, it just felt like uh, it just felt like the movie was like, we don't really want, need to deal with that right now. Kind of like with Spider-Man, it kind of makes me think of Spider-Man Homecoming, where it's just like, like, yeah, there's like maybe a deeper origin that we could get into, but it doesn't really matter because the point is we're dealing with this plot now, you know? Mm-hmm. And it also and like helps. centers the origin on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because like mm-hmm. you're saying Splinter often has a connection to 
a different villain who's not in this movie. But the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, at least as far as I know, don't really have any villains that are like intrinsically tied to their origin in the same way. So making the theme of this movie, the mutants and like writing Superfly so that he is specifically tied to the, to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles origins, like really refocuses it around them in a way that, you know, having it, having a different villain and having it be about Splinter wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, this, this was very much the turtles own movie this time. This was basically, I loved how, like the more the movie went on, it, you really get like this is not this is not a ninja action movie. This is very much a coming of age movie, mm -hmm. where the the heroes just happen to be like ninja turtles, because you know there's the there's kind of the basic plot points of you know their dad wants to keep them at home, but the kids are growing up and they want to go out, and and then they meet like the the dangerous crew <laughs> that that it maybe potentially influenced them to to do bad things and then there's like you know one of them meets a girl and then now he's acting different and um yeah no it's and there's a lot of aspects of, the, of that and i think like we said earlier that's a lot of what makes this movie feel fresh too is that it's not it's just a a story about four kids and i i think all the personas were done really well too like there's not many there's not many times when i i truly felt like all four turtles were fun iterations of themselves but in this version like i thought they were all very likable characters and they were very fun but they also sh we see how how they are they're still different like they all have their basic traits you know rouse mm -hmm. the hothead um donnie's the nerd but then like in this iteration like they make donnie a nerd but like not just really with tech too much it's also like he's just kind of a guy who likes anime <laughs> likes anime and like um actually at, is that that's kind of at one kind at of one it. point he talks about having he like someone compliments him driving and he's like oh yeah i've spent so many hours playing forza oh yeah i like plays video games too and stuff yeah that that felt like like i don't a, t a 14 year old isn't gonna be this huge super genius that's like you know like creating these huge machines as donnie's usually depicted in in the TV shows, he, this guy was just kind of a smarter than average teenager, I guess, but mostly a nerd. Mm -hmm. And I really like that, you know, and the same thing with Raph. He's not like, he's not like uh, a huge bodybuilder or anything. He's just kind of slightly more aggressive than his other, than his other brothers. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still like done in a fun way, you know, like he doesn't have like these, <laughs> like in some iteration, now that I think about it, it's really dark, but he'll have iterations where, you know, he loses his temper and then he like beats his brothers <laughs> like like not like not like violently, but like he'll just lose his temper and like hurt someone accidentally. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this, it's kind of more played as like he has a temper, but it's like more of a fun thing. You know, like he's just a kid, you know, he's not going to he's not actually attempting to hurt people accidentally, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And Leo, too. I think this is probably maybe my favorite characterization of Leo in any comic where he's he's a like he's a leader in this but he's there's still a very innocent naive way to him and um i don't know it's 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 not it's done less of like he's a leader because he's noble and more just because he cares about his family mm -hmm. if that makes sense and i really like that as well that that 
way of playing it. Yeah, I think um, I think obviously the performances for all of them were incredible, but I've heard a little bit behind the scenes. Um, at least from the stuff I've seen behind the scenes, it looks like a lot of the way that they, a lot of the writing of the turtles, especially in the dialogue, was uh, done very collaboratively with the actors that play them, who are themselves all teenagers. So, mm. like uh, the thing, the specific thing that I um, really that made me really happy a couple of weeks ago on Twitter is. Uh, there's a scene where they're all dressed up in hoodies and like going into a mall or something. I can't remember exactly what they're going into, but they're all dressed up in hoodies and Donatello is wearing a, um, he's wearing a Jojo's Bizarre Adventure hoodie. And the reason Mm -hmm. they did that is because Micah Abbey, the guy who plays him is he's an anime fan and a video game nerd. And they're like, what are some animes that kids like these days? What do you like? And he's like, Oh, I like Jojo's bizarre adventure. And they're like, all right, great. We'll put it on the t-shirt. Yeah, no, that's so sweet. Like, I think it's stuff like that, that I think on a lot of movies when they're trying to write for, for kids and teenagers, it's like, they're getting, it's very obvious they're getting adults to write it because a lot of the jokes are just like, like, teenagers don't talk like that right (laughs) like you you get that feeling whereas this was like like the the references to to stuff like anime or uh mikey was that was such it's so weird to me but he referenced like avengers endgame like a couple times with bruce Mm -hmm. banner or uh, um mark ruffalo improvising his scene in uh in the diner in endgame and i was just that's such a specific reference and i feel like in a lot of you know, a lot of other movies when they do that, I'm just like, okay, they're just trying to pretend to be, they're like, this is what a kid would sound like. They talk about Avengers Endgame. It's like, but in this, it genuinely felt like he was like a movie nerd and he was gushing over the latest movie, if that makes sense. And, and it, it was like, there a was cool, an aspect to it. that worked. And it's like a cool trivia fact that he knows and he doesn't know if everyone else knows. So he really wants to share that cool trivia fact that he knows. Yeah, exactly. That that's very. I still do that. So it's like, yeah, it's it's very common, and the I guess the way the actor delivered it was really well done. And you could tell. I read that a lot of a lot of the dialogue for the turtles was recorded where they were in the same room working together, mm-hmm. and you could tell because the chemistry was just off the charts too. And I love those moments where they're just all talking at the same time. And you can't really hear what's going on, but it just creates like, the vibe it creates is just so beautiful. I don't know what to say. It just it felt like I couldn't believe this was animated sometimes, you know, where it, it felt so lifelike, like the vibe the vibe they were creating and replicating. There's a scene where they've just met April O'Neil and all four of them are explaining their origin at the same time. And you can't make out a single word, but it is all like four competing stories. And I remember yeah. watching that and just going, there is somewhere, there might be somewhere a version of this that's written down. Like, what does that look like? Yeah, yeah, right. And then now, now we have to watch the movie four different times to like <laughs> figure out which each of them said. That, yeah. That's the goal. The, if I, <laughs> it would be so funny to watch this movie, but like everything's exactly the same, but three of the turtles are muted. And then just be able to do that four different times. Yeah. It would be much Um, less endearing, but it would be very funny. (laughs) Definitely. Oh, yeah. And April, too. Speaking of April, she was, 
I rarely like April and, and Ninja Turtles stuff, but I thought she was really fun in this too. This is definitely Ao Edibiri's year. I've seen her in a couple of things this year, and she's oh, nice. incredible. Like this is a great role for her, for sure. Oh, she was in Spider Man too. Wait, uh, she was Spider Mite. Oh, okay. She it's a relative. Even if she's not Spider Mite, her role in Spider Man, yeah, uh, across the Spider Verse is relatively minor. Yeah. Oh, wow. she's had a lot of stuff this year. But yeah. Anyways, um. Yeah, she was she was really she was really good. I I liked the whole uh I don't know puking report thing. It's, it was such a stupid like like joke to set up, but like actually like again, it was like I just feel like a lot of it was done with heart and a lot of these jokes that I thought I would cringe at like actually really liked a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised as to, as to how well I I liked some of these characters, you know. Um like Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd's in this too. And Paul Rudd, not only is he in this, but at the very end, and I don't understand what this means, but at the very end, in the credits, he's the last name in the credits, and it says, and introducing. And I'm like, wait a minute. What do you mean introducing Paul Rudd? I feel like, I guess he's the only, he's kind of part of the Seth Rogen, or no, Judd Apatow pack. He's the only other one in the movie. So maybe that's Seth Rogen kind of giving him a hard time. That's my I mean, guess. I guess. I, I'm just um, thinking, like, has yeah. he ever been? Is it possible that Paul Rudd has never been in something animated? No, that doesn't make sense. That's no. got, that has to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was. I don't I understand mean, what that joke means, and that was like the funniest joke to me. Yeah, it was. I actually thought it was Andy Samberg the whole time too. I, I was surprised. Like, figure it out. I thought. It, I thought it might be Andy Samberg too. Yeah, but Paul Rudd gave a great. Per- I again, I thought his. I think he was a salamander or a gecko. He's a gecko. A mutant gecko. But I thought a lot of his jokes, like, on paper sounded terrible. Because he was essentially just, like, the annoying surfer dude that we've seen, like, a lot of times. But they did him really, like, he just, he acted it with, like, so much heart that, like, like it was, it, it, it was, like, a annoying surfer dude that you end up liking because he's just so genuine. Well, and, and they think, also always paired him up with Mikey, who's the only I mean, turtle that can be too much if he's all alone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, they had great chemistry too. And that's another aspect of this movie is that um, it was nice seeing the turtles be able to bounce off so many different uh, personalities because it's usually just kind of those them four, and then like you add in Splinter or April or maybe Casey, right? And those are mm-hmm. kind that's kind of the only group. But it was just kind of it was really nice to see them, you know, branch out and like become friends with a lot of people in this movie. You know, like this was a very uh, different interpretation as well, because the turtles didn't feel like they were completely alone in this world in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the start they were, but then by the end of the movie, not only have they kind of grown out of their shells, but it's like they've helped other people grow out of their shells, too, and start uh, and gave. Uh, gave a lot of people a home, you know, and made people yeah. feel welcome. Obviously, only metaphorically for the other people, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked uh, moments like that. And yeah, all the mutants, like all the super fly mutants, they, like that voice cast was stacked. I couldn't believe it. It's I thought, insane looking at it now. Yeah. I thought Into the Spider-Verse had a huge cast, but like this one probably like takes the cake. It's like this and Oppenheimer are like back to back in terms of how many huge names they could get in one movie 
Yeah, I mean, I think, like, between this, Spider-Man, Oppenheimer, and Barbie, like, the only movies that are coming out next year are going to have no names in them. Like, yeah, all the exactly. names are taken. Everyone was busy this year. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. I mean, even, like, like, like John... Like John Cena was in this. I think he only had like five lines, to be honest. But I, I didn't even know there. it was him. But it was cool. Yeah, Seth Rogen cast himself as a, a warthog again. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, they were they were all really fun too. Uh, what what do you think of the animation style though? I thought the animation was really good. Uh, obviously, like the first thing it immediately brings to mind is Spider Verse, but I think it is like it's different in like important ways. Like, I never felt like this movie felt like a comic book, which it didn't need to. Mm -hmm. I think for Spider-Verse, it, like, very much does, and it works very well. And I liked that I don't know exactly what this movie did differently. I mean, for one thing, I guess it was a consistent style, where Spider-Verse is a lot of competing styles that work really well together. Um, But, like, this one, it, it didn't have that same feeling. And I really appreciated that even though it, like, looks... It definitely looks and it's definitely in intending to evoke that same idea it still had its own uh it still had its own personality like uh the one thing that i noticed i mean you brought it up and i don't know if i really wanted to talk about it that much but like the puking scene with a- the, the first time <laughs> that you know pukes in her flashback that is shockingly smooth like it's upsetting to watch actually and like <laughs> It's a scene that wouldn't happen in Spider-Verse, obviously, because there's no reason for it to. But, like, it looks... This is this this movie uses a style that's kind of similar, but is really, really smooth, where Spider-Verse is... I don't know a good word for smooth, for the opposite of smooth, that doesn't sound bad, because it definitely works to its advantage, but it's not nearly the same kind of, like, fluid movement. Yeah, I get it. It's like they have a choppy frame rate in Spider-Verse. A lot of times, yeah. what I remember. Yeah. And, I don't know, in this, I would say, like, you said Spider-Verse is a comic book come to life. I'd say this is more like a, it's like a children's drawing come to life, if that makes sense. Because obviously it's some parts are a lot more refined, but it's like, it's not a lot of the character designs are just ugly. If I'm Mm -hmm. being honest, like they're not pretty to look at. And that's kind of, you know, where I think the kid influence comes from. And then also like, there's those, uh, like what, for example, when, when what's his superfly's car, when it was like, when it was going and leaves smoke, it's like, they would draw the smoke in like crayons, if that makes sense, instead of like, cg smoke that you kind of that would fit more in the style of the rest of the movie and that kind of gave me hints of like this we're they're trying to put us in the mind imagination of a child viewing this world if that makes sense and like um the scene that jumps out to me there's a scene where they're watching they're briefly watching ferris bueller in a park and like the the glow from the tv is like squiggles i don't think it's like explicitly Mm -hmm. squiggles but it's like it's like there's this real actual movie that's happening and then around it it's like emanating you know basic squiggles that sort of make it that yeah. that like <laughs> make it work really well in the background while whatever's going on in the foreground is happening. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how yeah, to explain like, it, but yeah. It's those little it was those little details that kind of hinted towards like 
the inspiration they were going for with the art style. And I think that made it a little easier to look at, if that makes sense, once I, I knew what they were going for. Because, yeah, it's it's kind of... Um, that I think a, a big part of why I wasn't too excited for the movie at first was because I thought the animation style looked pretty bad. But mm-hmm. it works well with the type of movie we're getting. And I, I'd say that's much better than... Like with Puss in Boots, for example, I felt like they just did it because it was kind of cool. It looked cool and trendy, um, in my opinion. But in this movie, it felt a lot more like it was serving the essence of the story, if that makes sense. So it bothered me less. And it and didn't I feel think, like as much of a reproduction of just what Spider-Verse did. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say, like, and the the art design, like the character design of this movie, making some of the characters, like, specifically Cynthia Utrom, but making some of the characters like weirdly ugly and have strange proportions. Like yeah. the way that the, the art, the like um, the art, the character design of this movie felt consistent in what I think is a really important way because it never felt like it always felt like the turtles were part of this world, regardless of, you know, whether humans on the surface felt the same way or not because like everyone looked as weird as the turtles so like mm-hmm. there was not no one felt out of place yeah the turtles like probably looked the most normal and the- <laughs> yeah actually though <laughs> that's why it was kind of funny sometimes when people would freak out at seeing the turtles but like they look pretty they look pretty kid friendly compared to the rest of the characters to be honest so yeah uh yeah, but yeah, I I I think it, it worked well for this movie, and obviously, you know, I think they saved because I don't know if this movie would be profitable if it was like, you know, a two hundred million movie. But um, this this feels like I'm getting Spider Verse vibes, where it, it, they made this one for pretty cheap, and it's it's gonna have good a word of mouth and make a decent profit, and then maybe for the next one they'll they'll try to up it and go a different way with it, um, mm-hmm. and maybe add more action or something. Hopefully, especially if they're bringing on. Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> the, the next the, villain. <laughs> the villain of the next movie would imply a lot more action. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that would be nice. So, um, yeah. So I think I want to put a spoiler warning here because I'm about to ask you something very spoilery. Uh, so I'm going to say spoiler warning right here. If anyone has not yet seen this movie and doesn't want to be spoiled, this is where you should drop out, but just before, don't have to put a rating on it just yet. We'll do that at the end. But just generally, would you recommend this movie, Pierre? Hundred percent, yes. One I of the agree. better movies of the year. Absolutely. All right. Final spoiler warning. Three, two, one. All right. So we got to talk about Splinter's love life. Everyone's talking yeah. about it. <laughs> we got to do that. I don't. That's one of the aspects. I don't know how I felt about that. <laughs> like. It was definitely a choice because I've never seen Splinter think of anyone romantically in any iteration of the Mm -hmm. Turtles. So it was an interesting thing to add. And I don't know how I feel about it, but also it's like, I guess it's kind of cute. I don't know. How do you, what do you think? I mean, I think it ultimately kind of worked. It was a weird callback to very, very, very early on. He talks about how he had a cockroach friend who was the only person that understood him as a rat. And then at the very end, he gets a cockroach girlfriend, which I thought like when I when it clicked in my head, I was like, oh, that's actually a cute callback kind of. Um, But I think honestly, the thing that I like most about that 
is the potential implications for a sequel. Like, I do not care that much to learn the intimate details of Splinter's love life. (laughs) However, like the cockroach and Splinter being romantically involved makes me hopeful that the actual like mutant cast of this movie isn't just a one-off. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't ever want them... I, I don't necessarily need Bebop and Rocksteady to become big, important characters in the next one, although those would be the key candidates to do that. But, like, I do hope that they're... I do hope that, like, the mutants cast of this movie is a constant going forward and, like, have their own stuff to do, which um, the fact that one of them is romantically involved with Splinter gives me the idea that maybe they will. Like, maybe they're not just throwaway villains of the week for this one, even though they weren't really villains. For sure. Yeah, I, I hope I hope that too. I don't want to... I think, I think that's... They really need to stick to what makes this franchise unique. And that is one of the aspects that makes it unique is that they have a great, great side cast to rely on if they might be having trouble writing, if that makes sense. Like... It's just they yeah. have a good foundation set up, and I, I hope they don't just push all that aside because they want to focus more on, you know, turtle stuff we've already seen, like them taking on the Shredder, uh, which we are going to see in the next movie <laughs> because it was teased. But, you know, I, I, I hope they can do it in a way that's not just generic turtles fighting Shredder like we've seen countless times before. Yeah, I was just thinking, if this, you know, if this franchise makes it to three movies, like... At some point, they're going to have to introduce. They're they're de- they're almost certainly going to introduce all the turtles mainstays. Like, uh, what's the guy's name? Casey. Casey Jones. Casey Jones. I have so many Caseys in my head, and none of them are Casey Jones. <laughs> uh, anyway, like they're going to have to introduce Casey. Well, they're probably going to introduce Casey Jones at a certain point. But like, it would be cool if by the third movie the main supporting cast isn't just the turtle supporting cast we already know. Like, it, it would be cool if by the third movie, it's like the Turtles and Splinter and Mondo Gecko and April O'Neil and like the rest of the people are around, but like, you know, someone we've never, some, someone that's never had that big of a role in, in the franchise could be a standout of this one. Like maybe Leatherhead comes back a bunch or, you know, maybe by the third one, we're talking about how Ray Filet is actually such a cool character that we didn't know we needed as much yeah it'd be nice like we we already again we've already seen so much turtles in the past that expanding that that gallery would be really cool and uh you know i i i really hope they'd also don't uh darken the sequels at all in any way i think this was a very good level to keep it at like i really don't want to see splinter's girlfriend die or something in the next yeah movie. yeah I think that'd be very unnecessary Um, because again, this is like what made this movie special was it, it it felt like very relatable for any kid growing up and uh, you know, not too many kids have their, their step mom, their step mom get murdered by their dad's arch nemesis or something like, so if, if they can hopefully keep stuff like that out of the way, I think they have a good, future for this franchise and it sounds like they're already you know they're planning everything out they got a sequel already on the way and they have a tv show planned as well i don't know how it's gonna work but i mean it can't be too hard of a animation style to replicate because 
you know, it's already not like the most refined animation style. So, you know, like I, I think it might be nice to get a similar style in the show and then uh, it might be a good lead into the next movie because uh, we could see the turtles enjoy high school, which another which was another thing I don't know how I feel about because it felt like the movie was going to do the usual like, oh, they're never going to be accepted by humans. But now they have you know, their they, own family. They have their own family, but now in this, they kind of had their cake and ate it too, or I don't know what the saying is, but they, they gave them a mutant family and they got to go to high school and feel welcomed by the world, you know? And I don't think that's, that's also something I've never seen in any turtles media before, you know? So it was just, I was very shocked, honestly. And I, I I still know how I feel about it, but like, uh, I can say is like, it's a, it's a very fresh take and, I don't really know where, where they're going to go with that. But I, I, I do, I guess I like it in terms, I like it as in terms of a movie. It makes sense because it gives it a very nice ending. I don't know how I feel about it as like a Turtles fan because again, that's never happened before. But the more I think about it, the more I do kind of like it. Because mm-hmm. again, it's like, you don't really want to see them. Like it's a fun movie. You don't want to see them just depressingly be hiding in the sewers the rest of their lives. It was kind of cool to see them finally be accepted in one form of media well and i think that what you said earlier about this movie leaning into what makes it different like a big core component of this movie a core theme of this movie is the turtles just being teenagers and like Mm -hmm. if at the very end the movie just lets them be teenagers that's good like it should lead into it should lean into that yeah Um, exactly so yeah, I hope that that I hope that turns out to be a good idea for the franchise because I think that the opposite of that would be bad actually. So, you know, yeah. hopefully this works out. Yeah, hopefully. But we'll see. I don't know. I'm I'm excited. For for once I'm excited about the future of the Turtles franchise because I feel like I haven't been since like like ever actually. I don't even know the last time like the Michael Bay movie. I never even seen the Michael Bay movies actually. Have you? Uh, my roommate did when I was in, my roommate watched them with a buddy when I was in like third year of university. And I think I accidentally walked in on him, uh, watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 once. And I was like, ah, interesting. I don't, I don't want to see this actually. You make it sound like so disgusting. (laughs) You walked in on him watching Ninja Turtles 2. Yeah. I don't know. There was something about those movies that I really didn't want to see. I... I, I think it was the a mixture of Michael Bay and then also I don't like how they made the turtles like these massively basically superhuman ninjas. Like the the fact that they were ninjas didn't really mean anything because they were already these like ten foot tall bulletproof beasts <laughs> that could yeah. just beat the shit out of anyone anyways. Like it just felt kind of uh like pointless. Like I like the turtles because they're basically regular guys but just turtles like they don't Mm -hmm. have super strength in my opinion um they're just mostly just people but yeah yeah so So, yeah it's exciting what do you think final thoughts on on mutant mayhem what would you what would you give this one out of 10 if you had to Uh, i'd say like an eight you know really really fun um i don't really have any issues with it just with those couple things that i just found odd about the end like the splinter romance (laughs) but yeah i i hope i don't know where else they can take like how much how it could have been better but 
like maybe it not have the third act. I didn't really love like the kaiju s climax because it just feels kind of generic. And I like the story because it was very grounded and personal up until that point. But um, I, I think they made they made it work surprisingly well, if that makes sense for yeah. how I was dreading it going into the third act. Yeah, I I'm I'm a little conflicted on the third act myself because like, um, basically I felt like it was basically about to end right before the kaiju fight, right? And, yeah, and that felt like the ending, and then that didn't go the way I expected, and led into a kaiju fight that was also actually not something I had expected from the movie. So I respected it for like kind of subverting my expectations at least. But then the kaiju fight, even though it was pretty good as a kaiju fight, like I think that it used all of the different people that were involved in the fight in really clever ways. It mm. was also just a fight against a giant whale. And um, <laughs> yeah. like, like up until that really point, yeah. And up until that point, it hadn't even been that much of an action movie. So to end it on a big action set piece does kind of make sense but also doesn't get to use a lot of what was fun about the rest of the movie up until that point. So like, I didn't dislike it that much, but I didn't like it as much as I wish I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's exactly how I'd say it. Um, yeah, actually that's, that's kind of cool that I, I literally thought it ended too, like at that, that scene where they destroy the, the machine. Right. Yeah. And I was, I would have been very happy with that ending too. Like, I was like, I, I, that probably wasn't even that, like that long into the movie, but I was like, this feels like a, a solid ending, you know, like the, the Muins are all friends and like they, they fought Superfly and then Splinter had his like realization and then, but yeah, like, I think, I feel like the third act kind of took it in ways that I wasn't expecting. And like, again, I respect the fact that, but also it just felt like it was trying to do too much, like. It felt weird for me that the turtles' plan of becoming famous by saving the world actually ended up working. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, I just found that very odd, you know. And um, again, I, I like that they finally get to be happy and you know, and out in the world. But a part of me is just like, it feels a little too easy for them. Yeah, that makes sense. But again, yeah. not a huge deal. It doesn't ruin it or anything. I just I thought thought that was an an odd choice. Yeah, I think. Um... Just, like, I don't fully know how to feel about the third act, but I know that I could have liked it better. And basically just what we just talked about is why I would give it, like, a solid seven, I think. Mm. For me. Makes sense. Yeah. What else do we got to say about Turtles? I think that's it. What's our last word, Pierre? Mm, turtle. <laughs>